0: Hi, friends and colleagues. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music, and on today's podcast, episode 99, my returning guest is the lovely Sarah Campbell. Now, Sarah is an experienced piano and voice teacher, but she is also a music teacher. Teacher business coach. She helps teachers and other creatives to build a business that they love. Now, today we are talking all things branding, how to find the clients that you love to work with, and how to hone your teaching studio marketing message. Now, before I welcome Sarah onto the show, a few friendly reminders and a big theme thank you to you, the listener. We are now well over 100,000 listens. If you could take a quick moment and leave a review, well, those help us so much. And do not forget to connect with me on the socials. On Instagram, you can find me at the full voice. And I love to share behind the scenes and all the fun in my teaching studios. Now, next Friday is a very special episode. We are at episode 100 and it's freebie Friday. So I am sharing a wonderful holiday singing activity from our new resource, Oh Christmas Tree. And I have lots to tell you about that, but I'm going to wait till the end of the show. So without any further ado, here's Sarah. Welcome back to the podcast, my
1: wonderful friend, Sarah Campbell. How are you? Nikki, I'm so glad to be back. Oh, this is going to be so much fun today. I'm excited. We have a wonderful topic today. We're talking all about
0: branding, uh, your studio, branding and and honing your marketing message. Something super important. Uh, But before we get into that, I do want to ask, how are all things in Sarah's music
1: studio? Oh. Things are going really well this year. You know, it's a it's a new phase in my studio as I'm cutting back a little bit on the teaching so that I can coach more Mm -hmm. because we have so many hours in the day, (laughs) and it's allowed me the opportunity to really think about who do I want to work with, and so I have some really fantastic students this year. I'm I'm working with some adults, um, adult singers, which nice. is just like, oh, it's so much fun for me. And that's like where my passion is right now. And um, also uh, the like early high school age. Nice. Singers. Yeah. Like, so when they're just like auditioning for the first musical or they're yeah. auditioning. Or Honors choir for the first time. And I love working with those students. It's so fun,
0: oh, I love it. I love that uh, I love that you've uh, identified those wonderful students that you love to work with because we're going to be talking a little bit about that, yes, yeah, absolutely, uh, nice. Now, when we first spoke, it was maybe season two of the podcast. It was a few years ago, and you presented this amazing podcast on um, summer camps and and hosting and marketing fantastic workshops. It was one of the most popular podcasts that we had back in the day. So. What? I know. Well, it was so good, and then you also came back to share some super fun vocal warm ups, which was amazing and awesome. <laughs> I, I do remember something about a red feather boa.
1: Oh yeah, do you remember um, that? Yeah, and you know, sadly, I have a little update on the the red feather boa. Oh, no. <laughs> It, it, it's no longer with us. It, oh. it basically unraveled to a point where, like, it looked like Sesame Street had exploded oh. every time I got it out of the cabinet. So <laughs> the red feather boa had to be retired. Oh, Did you
0: replace <laughs> it
1: with something else? I use um, scarves Oh, now. nice. But nice. I do want to... the the boa back so next you know maybe i need to hit up a halloween store before they close and uh (laughs) see if i can find a cheap boa to bring back into the studio oh perfect perfect i love that okay well let's let's dive into this very
0: important topic um and i just wanted before we get started i wanted to share with you um uh this is such perfect timing because i just had a teacher reach out who is um has been teaching kind of part-time and really enjoying it. But now she's like, no, this is something that I want to do. I want to do it more seriously. And where do I start? And I thought, well, this is a good podcast for her to listen to because we're talking really about finding out who we are and who we want to serve and how we want our our marketing message to be cultivated so that people can really understand who we are. So let's get started for somebody who say is like not sure, like they've heard the word branding, but maybe they don't know mm-hmm. how to apply it to say a, a small music studio. Can we start there?
1: Ah, oh, that's a great place to start. I'm so glad that you brought that up. So let's talk about the word branding, mm. right? Because I feel like, it's kind of a weird, like, icky word. It feels a little dirty, like, because it feels very salesy when we mm. look at the word branding. When we think of the word branding, we probably think of, like, some big corporation th- where, you know, there's no one-on-one touch, you know, it, that it's just, oh, I've got my logo and my slogans and my blah, blah, blah. Ugh. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, and, and we are not that we are small business. We are doing all the things ourselves. And so when we look at the word branding, it can feel a little weird because you're like, well, I'm just a, I'm just a music studio. Mm -hmm. Why would I need a brand? I'm not, you know, I'm not going to have a logo. I'm not going to be selling t-shirts with a slogan on them, but really branding is not about logos. It's not about slogans. I mean, yeah, that's part of a branding effort, mm-hmm. but it's it's truly tapping in to what you just said. Who do you want to serve? What do you want to serve them? And how do we how do we make that connection? How do we find those people? And so, for somebody who's just starting out and really hasn't thought about that at all, um, we can fall into this trap of just opening, you know, opening our studio, putting the side, like the shingle up and, and saying, okay, we're open for business and I'm doing voice lessons. Right. And (laughs) (laughs) right. And then you get all, you get a lot of, you might get a lot of inquiries, but you get inquiries from people who you might not be comfortable teaching. Um, not that they're bad people, they're great people, but they might be asking for skill sets that, aren't comfortable to you mm-hmm. or you know if if you've been trained uh as a lot of us were uh if you went to university you were trained in some kind of a classical style and uh when you have somebody come to you and they're like I want to learn how to do screamo <laughs> yes <laughs> and you're like oh Okay. Great. Let's get signed up. (laughs) Yeah. When, when, when we're first starting out, I think that the first thing to do is to sit down with yourself and really think about who are the people that I can serve best and to really dig in deep to like what makes you happy as a teacher. Um, and I think that's a scary thing to do sometimes because that feels like that we're uh, then saying no to a lot of other people. Right. I think it taps into that scarcity mindset, where
0: especially if you're starting out, you know, I, I need to take everybody because I I need to fill these
1: spots. Absolutely, yes. So when you uh, when you start to hone in on what you like to teach, or like we can we can think of it in many different ways. It, you know, the who and the what can uh, it can hone in on age groups. It can hone in on genres. Um, it can, it can hone in on lots of different things and it can be scary to do that because then it looks like we're blocking ourselves off from other things. But what really what ends up happening at that point is that it starts to become easier to market Mm -hmm. because you know who you're talking to and you know what you're offering to them. Right. Right. Right.
0: I think, um, and this this isn't just for voice teachers, but I think music teachers in general, I think the marketing efforts in the past have been, I can teach everyone. And they just blanket it with voice lessons and piano lessons for everybody.
1: (laughs) Nikki, you just described my Facebook page when I opened it in 2010. Oh, Wow! Literally, (laughs) I love everybody. Please come, right? (laughs) Yeah, and it's wrapped up in, like you said, the scarcity mindset. It's wrapped up in some fear that if, if we say that I don't teach everyone, which is not okay, I'm not saying that's what you need to go put on your marketing page. That's not a good way to phrase it. Good point. But when we release that expectation that we teach all ages, all levels, all genres, when we let go of that, it sometimes feels like what we're saying is, I don't know how to teach this, or I don't know how to teach that. Mm. And it's this fear of admitting that, hey, guess what? I am specialized. And that means that I may not be that screamo teacher. I may not be, um, you know, able to teach a German leader. Oh so- my gosh. That's me
0: right there. Full disclosure. <laughs> do not come to Nikki. If you would like to study languages, the end French, I can handle a little bit of time, <laughs> but German not going to happen. Go see my friends.
1: Right? Yeah. So there's that. It's, It's scary to do that because it taps into the scarcity mindset that if I don't say that I can teach everybody in every, um, in every style Mm -hmm. that it's admitting that I don't know everything. Mm. And that's kind of funny, isn't it? Because like our profession, we fall into this trap of always feeling like we need to say that we know all the things and that we can teach all the things, but we know that's not true Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's okay to be specialized.
0: Yeah, I'm going to interject here just with something that I've noticed, and one of the things that I came across, because as you know, Full Voice is about, you know, working with kids and welcoming kids into the teaching studio. Now, while I appreciate that, that's not for everybody. Like that's not everybody would find joy in working with children. I believe that the discrimination that happened ab- against working with children, and a lot of teachers did discriminate and said that they weren't ready, was really just a defensive comment for, I don't know what to do with the kids, rather than, because it, it was never a case of somebody's not ready, it's the, that you may not have that information or or the 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 toolbox to deal with that. So I think that we need to, and I'm really glad that you're bringing this up, that when we recognize where our strengths are and that we have spent so much time specializing with that information, we can celebrate that, rather worry about the, the German language that is mysterious and strange or that screamo technique that's just not really something we're into. Could be fun, maybe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I love this, the, that first step of, like you said, celebrating what we're good at mm-hmm. is a scary one. And I think part of this ties into, so you mentioned the, um, you know, that, that time period. And I, and I have to say I think that that time period is starting to shift I don't see as many teachers going oh no you can't teach voice until you're 14 you know <laughs> you're right
0: no you're it's true the conversation has definitely changed it has
1: and when I was little I remember very vividly I think I was 12 years old at the time and I had been doing, um, like a professional children's choir. And this was not like a show choir. This was like really beautiful music I had done. Um, I had been in the, the children's opera chorus for Knoxville, Mm. uh, opera company, which was fabulous. And I, when I went out to seek private lessons, I was told no. Mm. And so I had to wait a couple more years and I patiently waited, but you know, man, Well,
0: it's true. It's true. I have a I have a, uh, a an adult student in my studio right now who's singing is just something that brings them joy. And it was the same thing. It was actually her mother was the voice teacher who said no. She wanted oh. to take lessons, and I have to tell you, people, there's trauma. There's trauma with that, yeah. you know. So be careful. Yeah. <laughs> be careful, because again, it's not. A, I think it this is the beautiful thing as well we have this amazing opportunity not only to celebrate our strengths but also celebrate our colleagues that are talented in other areas right so i i don't teach upper levels of conservatory but i have a wonderful colleagues that do and i am happy i am more than happy to send somebody along Um, I have colleagues that, again, specialize in languages or colleagues that are really great piano teachers who also teach voice if they're looking for that kind of dual kind of same teacher thing. There's so many of my colleagues that I love to refer to. We can't teach them all.
1: No. And and when we try to teach them all what we end up doing, because I will fully admit I was a teach em all teacher when mm. I first opened, right? Yeah, me too. Because, right. Because I was I was scared of saying no to anybody. And also, let's face it, I needed to make money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I needed to to reach some financial goals so that what I was doing was sustainable. And and I understand that. Um, but interesting is that if I had I think back then, if I had taken the time to really think about who I wanted to work with, I still would have been able to fill those spots. Right. It just would have changed my messaging a little bit, and I, I realize now that probably the reason that I, that it happened to me, and and the the reason that I fell into, like I said, that trap that we that is there for all uh, teachers when they're opening, is because my education up to that point when we think of oh you go to a voice performance degree or some kind of a music education degree our schools are set up in a way that they give us a smattering and mm. it's well more than a smattering it's a smorgasbord right? there that's a good term yes <laughs> of Here are all the things that you can teach. Mm -hmm. But what we don't get, unless we start continue, if we continue on um, in higher ed, then we do start to niche down a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if, you know, when you get out of that undergrad, you've had the smorgasbord and you've tried all the different things. And then you think that you have to teach all the different things. So that's natural. Totally makes sense to me. But then you got to think about, well, what were the things on that buffet that I really enjoyed? That's a great point if you've never really thought about niching down and this, this concept of branding and like tapping into who you want to talk to and, and, and what do you want to talk to them about? Take a moment to just kind of sit down and think, well, what is it that makes me super happy? What makes me light up when I'm in the studio? And I want you to think of that student, um, you know, picture them like who, you know, who they are, you know, their name, you know, what they do in school, you know, what they love to sing, and think about what is it that you're teaching that person, not just the genre of music that you're mm-hmm. teaching, but what life skills are you helping them find? Beautiful. And, and see if you can find, um, you know, just write a little story about that person. What have they learned in your studio? Mm-hmm. What have they gained that are non-musical skills? And then list out all those things, non-musical skills, musical skills, Um what did they come to you for in the first place? Right. And, and when we start to do that, we start to discover a lot about ourselves as teachers. Absolutely. We start to like uncover what we might call like our superpowers, you know, the things that, that don't come from teaching the notes or teaching the technique. It might be that, Oh, Hey, I noticed that with this particular student, I am just like super good at making sure that she's on top of things that she, she knows what's coming up in the schedule and I help her keep track of all of the, the little to do's that she has to, to done <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that.
0: Now, so, let's say we're a, we're a teacher and we've been teaching for a while. We've been offering a wide variety of uh, services, but now we know we're starting to see who we who we like to work with. We found our superpowers. So, what does what does branding look like for a teacher? So, what would be some of the first steps to really find that niche market or or make the messaging clearer?
1: Oh, good question. So there are so many different elements in branding. When you're looking at a business and you're thinking about, well, what is my quote unquote brand? Uh, I like to break it down into two main areas. Um, and then we kind of look at those areas and and make lists of things that need to be done. So One would, and this is going to kind of build on what we just talked about, you know, you're identifying who you want to work with. You're thinking about what do I provide for this client? Um, What did this client want from me when they came in? Like what, you know, what was their pain? Why did they reach out to me in the first place? And that's going to tie into your verbal branding. Okay. Let's discuss verbal branding. Okay. So verbal branding, uh, well, First off, it's going to start with, and this is like the big one, it's going to start with your studio
0: name. Oh, nice.
1: Ooh, right? And, you know, we don't want to like dig too far into that because, like, I am not saying that you have to rename your studio. Right. <laughs> My studio is not, it's not the most exciting name in the world. It's called Sarah's Music Studio. But simple is good, right? <laughs> Simple's good. And the URL was available. Oh. So, um, but we can start with like the name of a studio and then it could be um, some kind of a tagline that, 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 kind of describes what you do, you know, and maybe it's fancy, you know, helping, helping you find your song.
0: Oh, that's nice. There you go. Somebody use that. Okay. Somebody steal <laughs> that at least, you know, attribute Sarah, if you do use that.
1: And then the, the, the other verbal elements uh, are, are, when we're looking at our website and we're looking at, at the copy that we have there, mm. you know, what, how are we talking to the people who come to our website or the people who come to our social media pages? Uh, what's, what verbal elements do we have there? Is it, you know, what kind of a tone are you using? Is it conversational? Is it very casual? Or do you have a more professional studio and you work with people that are like really high level singers, you know, then that's going to change the verbal aspects that you're using on your page. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so, you know, that developing, I think the verbal aspect is where people get stuck because Mm -hmm. uh, we, we get bogged down in trying to find the perfect sentence and the perfect call to action and <laughs> all of those elements.
0: Well, and I think, too, we're trying to be clever and sometimes the messages get garbled.
1: I totally understand the garbled message issue, because if we try to include like the when when that happens to me, it's because I'm trying to include too many things ah. in one sentence mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, I, and and that's me falling back into old habits of the do all be all right, right. and so the, and then when that happens, I have first off, I walk away from doing copywriting at that point because I'm probably too tired to come up with anything clever. So I take a break and uh, then I come back with fresh eyes.
0: do you ever do you ever run your copy ideas? Uh, uh you know by a colleague do you ever
1: get people's opinions absolutely so i have a couple of groups that i'll go to um with copy and to to get feedback to say is this clear does does this make sense uh does it speak to the person that you know i want to work with mm. and it's nice to get feedback from somebody else because we work so hard at developing our language that we just really can't see the forest through the trees. <laughs> That's a good point. I I know
0: that I get frustrated too with writing, um, and and I also get frustrated when I when I share my copy and people are like, I don't know what you're trying to say, and then you know you have to go back to the drawing board, and it's it's depressing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like oh poop, right? <laughs> We've got to do this again. Yeah. So that's like the, ver- the the verbal elements of branding. There's a lot of, you know that goes into that. I think that's where we get, like I said, we get stuck. It takes a lot of time to develop that, that um, language. Um, when I work with people to develop this kind of language, we do a lot of list building. We do a lot of exercises that just allow you to find verbiage that makes sense and to kind of test things out too. And so that's like the one one side, and then on the other side, we have visual branding.
0: Oh, okay. So we're moving into visual. I, I this is exciting. So let's talk about visual.
1: <laughs> okay. So this is the part of branding that like gets me super duper excited. Um, and and this is actually what I think most people think is branding. Like okay. when they think of the word branding, they think of logos and they think of colors and, and like, Oh, what does your website look like? Mm. And yes, that's all important. And we do want to develop visual branding that will speak to the audience that we want to work with. So, you know, visual elements might include a logo. That's certainly not your most important thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, logos can change over time, uh, logo development. If, if that, you know, if working with visual elements is not your strength, um, don't get bent out of shape trying to come up with like this amazing logo that has a million different aspects in it. Simple is best. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, so you might have a logo, you might, um, choose different colors to represent your studio. Like if, if visual branding for a company kind of confuses you and makes you feel all icky, I want you to think about how you decorate your house. Oh, that's a good tip. Yeah. So think about um, how you decorate. Oh, I love to bring it back to like being a kid. Mm. How did you decorate your bedroom, right? Because that's like yeah. a big deal. I, yeah. Yeah. Like what color did you want your walls to be? Um what 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 color was the bedspread? It kind of reminds me of like decorating the dorm room too, right? Oh, in college, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, we all have experience with visual branding. We actually vis- do a lot of visual branding for ourselves all the time. I mean, you probably you look at your closet and you probably tend towards certain colors. Mm right? What is it that makes you comfortable? Um, and so we can look at that in our business and look at, okay, well, what colors are going to speak to the audience that I want to speak to? So let's, let's give some examples here. Maybe if we had, let's go to that like professional level, right? If we're working with some professional singers, Mm -hmm. then we're probably going to want to pick a color palette that tells people we are professionals. Now, the first color that pops to mind is black, mm, right? Sure. <laughs> what, performance blacks. Everybody's wearing their performance blacks. And then maybe picking a very bold color to go along with that. I like so that. a royal blue or a nice bright red. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and so that might give the impression of, you know, working in, uh, working in the professional field where you're booking, um, in opera houses and, and you're, you're singing art song, uh, recitals and things like that. Um, and then if you want to go another direction, you know, maybe if you're working with children, You would definitely want to pick some brighter colors, some more kid-friendly colors and look for palettes that, you know, color palettes that speak to children. Now, Nikki, like you, you guys have, um, you're green and yellow. Yes. Green. (laughs) And
0: orange, right? Yeah. Green, yellow, orange. Yep.
1: Yep. We keep the, we keep the colors pretty bright and funky and fun. Exactly, because they speak to, okay. this is a brand for younger singers and we are fun and we are funky and we are cool. (laughs) (laughs) Would you would you
0: recommend somebody that's new to Picking Colors that they check out other teachers studios and, and just to observe the branding?
1: Do you recommend that? Oh yeah. You know, and I think we do this without even realizing it. Mm. Like a lot of us, um, if you use Instagram, Instagram is a great place oh, yes. or Pinterest. Yeah. Those are great places to go. Like if you admire, um, certain studios and, and, and you want to, to look at like, well, oh gosh, what are their visual elements? Go onto their Pinterest page, go onto their Instagram and look around and see, do you notice that there's a theme Is there a color theme here? Uh, Especially on Instagram, that's pretty big, right? You know, people try to theme their pages and curate it in a way so that we have certain colors there. Another thing, if you're new to colors and picking out visual aspects, um, it's super fascinating to look at color theory.
0: Oh, color theory. So like the the feelings and emotions behind the colors. Oh, I like that
1: right so that's kind of a fascinating thing now don't get bogged down in color theory because <laughs> you may find and this has happened to me you may find that your favorite color communicates something that you don't want it to oh dear ooh okay now i now i want to search
0: my colors for my company make right? sure i'm not off point
1: <laughs> so for um so if you've been to uh like my websites and things you'll see that i do a lot of greens and blues mm-hmm. um and like my favorite color that i use for a lot of things is like this kind of limey lemon grass green and i'm holding up my coffee mm. cup it's green right now because it just makes me happy um and i discovered you know green yes green uh is calming mm-hmm. right it is it also symbolizes um money of course mm-hmm. so like if you're a business coach that's probably a good thing um <laughs> Uh, so, but I like, um, I picked green for my studio because it was a calming aspect. And, um, but I also found out that green is associated with being ill. Oh no. <laughs> oh. But the thing is, you know, colors can represent different things. So don't get bogged down in that, but it is kind of fun <laughs> it's- to look at color theory.
0: And now for the My Music Staff Minute. Hey
2: everyone. Erin here, and today on the My Music Staff Minute, we're talking about the benefits of collaborative learning. Learning on your own can be rewarding, and we all have stories of teachers who changed our lives. But there are some clear benefits to learning with peers as well. You might already be on the front lines of group lessons, rock band classes, orchestras, choirs, and other opportunities for students to learn together. But if you've never really explored group lessons or learning opportunities, here are some great reasons why you might want to consider it. The social benefit can be huge. Students learn to work with and relate to one another in a group class. They make new friends and develop a stronger motivation to practice because they want to keep up with the group. In school, group projects can help students take on bigger tasks than they could alone. In your music studio, they can do the same. In group lessons, students can write a song together or learn how to arrange music for multiple instruments. Playing instruments as a group provides opportunities to develop skills that can't be learned in a private lesson. Rock band programs can show students how to play to the same tempo as the other instruments. Choirs teach students how to sing different components at the same time and learn harmonies. Group piano lessons help develop performance skills when playing in front of others. Group lessons are also great for revenue. You can charge less per student for a group lesson than you would for a private lesson, which is enticing to parents. However, with more students being taught at the same time, you can earn double, triple, or higher. For example, if you charge a private student $75 for a one-hour lesson, you're earning $75 during that lesson. If you charge $60 per student for a one-hour group lesson, and you have three students in that lesson, you're earning $180. That's more than double. With my music staff, you can manage both private and group lessons with ease. Try a 30-day free trial today at mymusicstaff.com. And for more tips and tricks, tune in next week to the My Music Staff Minute, exclusively on the Full Voice Podcast.
0: I'm really glad you brought up the uh, using Pinterest. Um, there's just, I mean, beyond searching teaching studio or music studio i mean when we were when we were designing the full voice studio we i would just search like color palettes so i would put in the colors that i was interested in and it just brings up all these fine different uses of these color palettes and it's just so inspiring but again i would warn people you can get totally distracted with pinning all your colors so but it's a great resource for
1: sure It is. And then it makes our decisions. And here's the reason we do it. Right. So like we, people are like, well, why are you picking out colors? Like, it's not like you're, maybe you're not even painting a room, Mm -hmm. but if we can pick out brand colors and get super duper specific, like down to the hex code. Mm -hmm. And if that makes zero sense to you, (laughs) the hex code is a six digit. Um, it's, it's a, combination of digits and letters and it represents a very specific color so it is it's the hue it's the saturation it's the tone of that color so if we have our hex codes um if you're uh sending you know if you've got somebody doing some visual logos and and stuff like that for you you can tell them what the colors are and it won't be like slightly off from the shade of blue that you wanted so that's that it's very accurate super accurate. Um, and we also know that colors look different on different screens. Mm -hmm. So, but the hex code will help you with that. The reason we do this is so that when you're making marketing decisions, when you're making advertising decisions, you do not have to think hard because you have a branding style sheet that you can work from. You have the colors that you can work with. You have, um, a logo that you can work with you. You've chosen fonts that you can work with. Oh, fonts. <laughs> you could have a whole podcast about fonts.
0: <laughs> yes. I have a love-hate relationship with fonts. I mean, I have found fonts that I love, but every once in a while, you have to, you know, find a new font. And
1: um, I, I, I get that. I was super excited. Like, this is just me getting excited about visual branding, but last week when I logged into my Canva account, I noticed they had added new fonts, and I was like, yes! Oh, I saw that, too. And I spent
0: some time there. Yes, for sure. And it's interesting, too, uh, because fonts can, you know, we're joking about fonts, but honestly, uh, fonts can make or break your marketing message. It's they say so much.
1: Yes, they communicate a lot.
0: I have a colleague who always sends me emails using Comic
1: Sans. (laughs) Right. That is so funny. I was like, I feel like you just read my mind because I was going to say I had a Comic Sans moment earlier <laughs> in the week when I, and I, I'm going to say something very personal. And Brad, if you're listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> so that's my husband. Um, oh, no. We were, oh, it's so funny. So we have a family farm here and we had some letterhead that needed to go out uh, for like some announcements going on. And I realized. This is an old. It was an old oh. uh, logo, and I realized that our address was listed in Comic Sans. Oh. And I was like, "Oh boy." For those,
0: anybody who's listening, who's like, what are you guys talking about? Comic Sans is a very common font that is used in comic books and in cartoons. And that's exactly how it reads. It's curvy and rounded and does not read business person at all. So if you've (laughs) used it, we forgive you, but please don't ever do that again. (laughs)
1: right (laughs) yeah so that I mean those are in a nutshell those are the visual things like so like just a quick recap of those because we mentioned a lot of them Mm -hmm. right please yeah we've got colors Mm -hmm. right and we want to have a nice palette that communicates to the people that we want to work with and it also should be something that makes you happy don't pick out colors just because you think that they're colors that are going to make somebody else happy. All of this branding needs to start with you, right? Because you're point. the boss. Good point. <laughs> we want this to be a business that makes us feel comfortable, that makes us celebrate like what's awesome about us. So we you know, pick the things that are good. So we have our colors. We have a logo. We have some fonts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are like the three basic visual branding mm-hmm. elements. And then the other side we had was the verbal elements. And that's your website copy. That's your slogan. That's your studio name. Nice. And all of those little aspects. So like those are the big branding things. And uh, so we can kind of put them into two camps.
0: I have a question for you. Sure our our branding needs to also be in our elevator pitch. How, how do you coach your, your clients when it comes to them speaking about
1: their businesses? Okay, so I love that. This is great. And um, this is actually one of the first processes that I lead people through. Uh, there are different exercises that I like to do first to like find out who, who you want to work with, right? What you, why you want to work with them, um, what you're going to provide for them. And once you gain clarity in those areas, then what we do is we look at our UVP statement, and that is our unique value proposition, right? So fancy. Fancy. Uh, very, very fancy. And so the unique value proposition is essentially an elevator pitch. It is um, it is a single sentence that tells people who you work with, mm. what you provide for them, and how you provide it.
0: Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot.
1: Ooh. What is Sarah's music studio UVP? I love it. So I'm going to give... Um, I I want to, before I, before I share that, I want to speak, um, from the heart to all of the teachers out there who are teaching multiple instruments. Oh, good. Yes. So I am a piano and voice studio. Mm -hmm. So I struggled big time coming up with a UVP statement that could like umbrella. Mm. right? and so, um, I have I normally do too, so it depends on who I'm talking to. So if I'm w- let's say that I'm working with a voice student since okay. this is the full voice podcast, right? And <laughs> <laughs> And so I would say to people, I work with singers who want to improve. Their performance technique so that they can get out there and nail the audition without feeling ill prepared, scared, or nervous about not sounding good. And so that taps into it, doesn't notice that it doesn't say anything about age. Mm. Okay, right. Because I didn't want to be very specific about that since I work with both. Adults who do like a lot of community theater, Mm -hmm. and I work with uh, students who are in middle school and high school. Mm -hmm. And so, but what I looked at was okay, what do I normally help them with? Right. I help them land that role, Mm -hmm. right? I help them get their foot in the door so that they can go to the audition and that they can land that role. And then the next step is helping them create the character. And so that might be my UVP statement when I'm trying to bring somebody in. Nice.
0: Okay. I know that I have a lot of listeners who are also piano teachers. So can I ask what your UVP is for your, if somebody was asking you about piano lessons?
1: Oh, sure. So I like to think of what are my favorite piano uh, students to work with? Right. So my favorite, I'm just going to give you a little detail about that. And then Mm. I'll, I'll say the statement, my favorite students to work with are actually transfer students. I'm that weird teacher. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So this taps into into, uh, a pain point of mine Mm. as a kid. I quit piano when I was 14. Oh. And I came back to it. I came back to it when I was 17 and it's not like I stopped music at that point. I mean, I was still playing a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, I was accompanying the choirs. I was right. doing all these things, but I quit because my teacher wouldn't let me play Phantom of the Opera. Oh. Wow. And that's I know, right? Hmm. Like and that's all I wanted to play. Like I just I like I was in love with musicals and um and and that's what made my heart sing. But but my teacher at the time just was not in, at all interested mm-hmm. in um, helping with me with that. And so I work with students. Here's the UVP statement, right? I work with piano students who are passionate about a specific type of music, no matter what that music is, I work with students so that we can ignite that passion and fuel that passion so that they will continue to go to that bench for the rest of their life.
0: Wow. That's a great
1: UVP. Excellent. Because that's the teacher I needed when mm-hmm. I was 14 years old. And now I have, I have the unique opportunity to be that teacher for other kids.
0: Okay. that I thank you so much for sharing that. I think that is so helpful. And for my listeners, I, I know that this is, this is a lot of work. This is a lot of reflecting on our life experience in music our working experience with the students that we have and then also looking into the future to where we want to be. This is an enormous amount of work and I really appreciate you allowing me to put you on the spot like that. Those are beautiful <laughs> UVPs. Um, I have a, I have a couple of other questions though. going back to what you said about those teachers that are teaching more than one instrument, do you think yeah. it's do you think it's harder to brand if you're if you're teaching more than just, one, do you think it's tough?
1: I do think it's tough because, I mean, I can speak personally that I, I have felt that it was, it made my brain kind of hurt when I was yeah. sitting down and thinking, how do I communicate this? Because piano and voice are two very, very different things. Mm-hmm. And so I um, I know that there are different theories out there uh, with branding that you should be able to kind of umbrella Uh, You know, and come come up with some kind of a statement that speaks to everybody that you might work with or it's it's more about like, well, you need to just pick one Mm. and that can be scary. Sure. Um, And so I'm kind of going against the grain and saying you don't have to pick one. Good, good. And, and and give yourself permission to pick a couple and if you teach a couple different instruments, give yourself permission to come up with a UVP statement that speaks to each instrument and then what you can do and this is what I do with my clients like because I, ha- I have a lot of people I work with that teach multiple instruments, which is cool mm-hmm. right Sure it makes me want to learn another instrument <laughs> I really want to learn to play guitar someday
2: <laughs> It's on my bucket
1: list <laughs> bucket <laughs> list <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, what we do after that is we look for what I call the through lines. What are the connections? What are the through lines that go from this type of client that you work with to that type of client that you work with? Do you see similarities? And how can we communicate that? Like what language would help us tie those together? That is a that is a
0: great tip. I'm I'm just I'm just thinking how how much work is necessary to make this happen, but it's so important. It, it, like reflecting on on our experiences and where we are now. I have another personal question, and thank you for letting me put you on the spot again and again and again. When you made these changes in your studio, so you you were st- saying that. You started as the, I can teach everyone and anybody teacher. So this is a two-part question. First of all, did you end up having oodles of students
1: and experiencing teacher burnout? Okay, so 100% yes. Um, So what ended up happening is, and I did not realize it at the time, and this is me looking back and going, oh, wow, this is why I was burnt out. Mm. I was teaching, I think at the height of my studio, 45 students every week, which is a lot. Um, It's an enormous amount. It's a huge amount of people to see every week one-on-one. And what I found is that because I had so many different types of students, it meant that I I had to pull so many resources every week. And I had to be familiar with so many different um, books and exercises and activities that I. it was just like crazy teacher burnout. Because when I had when I was constantly having to pull resources, I was constantly in research mode. Mm. And instead of application mode, right, right. And so having to research every week just got really tiring. And when when I started to like niche down and think about the people that I really wanted to work with, then that allowed me, it's not like I'm not doing research, but it's much more focused. And it also allowed me to lesson plan in a way where I could batch. Nice. I could, isn't that wonderful? That is wonderful. Um, so, I mean, we talk about, it, it's been a big thing to talk about group lessons, right? And that's actually what I was here talking about the last time we did a podcast together. That's right. Because um, it's like working Uh, work smarter, not harder. Mm -hmm. Well, you can, if you like have specific people that you work with, then lesson planning becomes easier because you can think of a group of people rather than 10 very, very, very different people. That's a
0: brilliant point. Thank you for sharing that. When you, when you started to niche, when you started to, to pare down and really hone your message, what were the immediate changes other than less research? What other, what other immediate changes did you notice?
1: I noticed that I spent less time responding to lesson inquiries. It is because we all know that that takes, that takes a lot of effort. Like I don't, so I, am um, I am very much an introvert Mm -hmm. and it takes a lot of energy for me to, um, to interact with people that I don't know. And, you know, once I get to know people and I'm working with them, then I feel very comfortable. But it takes a lot of energy to be putting yourself out there all the time and, and, you know, getting on the phone with people and answering emails. And if you're working with a lot of different types of people and different types of clients, then that means that, you know, when when somebody sends an inquiry to you, your response has to be different every time. But if you are if you Good know point. who you're working with and you're working with like a couple different types of clients, then you can start, you know, coming up with a template, coming up with like, this is my speech. This is my spiel that I use every time this, you know, this type of a vocalist comes to me. And so it helps us get really clear about inquiry processes and onboarding processes. And I think that's the thing that that felt the best to me. Mm. For the record, I'm an extra extrovert, but I find the
0: onboarding process rather exhausting. Mm. So I think I love that you pointed that out, but I, I totally agree with you. Handling inquiries and responding, it's when I the, when those emails come in, sometimes I'm just like, oh, when am I going to be sitting at my computer? You know, when am I <laughs> going to when am I going to find time to actually talk to this person on the phone? Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. That's a beautiful point. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Oh, yeah. And and you know, what's nice is that it also allowed me to uh, strengthen my connections with my like, uh, local teacher networks. Mm. And uh, not that there's like a group that but I have a I have a list. I have a Word document that has a list of all of these piano teachers and voice teachers. And I had reached out to them and asked them, what do you specialize in? Oh, brilliant. I I felt guilty before. And this might be where people kind of get like stuck. Um, you feel guilty saying, oh, no, I'm sorry. I don't teach people like you. That sounds mean, doesn't <laughs> it? <laughs> we don't want to be a big meanie. That could be your tagline.
0: I don't teach people like you.
1: <laughs> it's like the worst branding tagline ever. I kind of <laughs> like it. Um <laughs>
0: If you ever need like an assistant coach, just let me know. I'm on it.
1: Okay. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so we don't want to be mean. And so that's why I have that list mm-hmm. so that when somebody comes to me and it's like, they're looking for lessons, piano lessons for five-year-olds, you know, and I don't teach, I, I've just decided I, I no, I no longer want to teach very young beginners. Mm-hmm. Um, I can send them, I have like two or three people that I can send them to and I can say, Oh, thank you so much for inquiring. Um, I am not teaching beginners right now. Um, you know, and I say right now, because I know that I may want to change my mind in the future. I like to be flexible. Oh, that's um, a good point. Thank you for bringing that up. The The
0: messaging doesn't have to be severe. It can be friendly and yeah, yeah,
1: good for yeah. Thank you. So you say like, I'm not, I'm not accepting any, uh, something, something right now, but I have a fantastic colleague who I think you would really love and here's their information. Oh, beautiful. So you're, you're
0: honoring your boundaries and your vision for your studio and you are celebrating your local colleagues. Win, win. Absolutely. Nicely done. I would like you to tell everybody you have a branding boot camp and you're going to be doing this throughout the year and you've got one coming up as well so let everybody know about this wonderful offer so for those of you who are just recognizing that you need some guidance in uh, branding your studio Sarah's here to help so tell them all about your course
1: Oh, thank you. So this is something that um, I've developed over the years. Uh, It guides people through the process that I've used with different businesses that I've worked with, Mm -hmm. um, different online businesses, different studios, and it guides you through developing verbal and visual branding. But before it even gets to that, it does some deep work uh, just looking at who you are, what you love to teach, and like really digging in to what makes you awesome. Because I'm all about uh, finding what makes you light up. Because if we try to develop the visual and verbal branding, without doing that personal work first, what we'll find is that we may create a brand that doesn't feel good to us. Hmm. that doesn't match up with our personality that might make us feel exhausted at the end of the day or just it feels like you're wearing somebody else's shoes. (laughs) I got it. Okay. Right. So uh, we do we do a lot of work to kind of tap into, you know, what makes you unique as a person. And um, we we tie together our personal values with our business. Mm. Because when we, we so we do a lot of value talk, and sometimes we think that personal values and business values are different, but they're not. And when we start to realize that, like it's, I remember when I did that work with, I, I have two coaches I did work with, um, on that. And when I realized that my personal values were my business values, I was mind blown. What a, what a observation to make. Yeah. Yeah. So we do all that kind of work and we we walk through, um, you know, what are the different visual aspects that you need in your studio? What are the different verbal aspects that you need? And then we talk about how to use them. So, you know, it's a really fun course. I do this uh, with a small group because I had been doing this one-on-one with people and mm-hmm. I still do it one-on-one, but it is so much more fun in a group because we get to talk about it together and we get to celebrate one another. Like when somebody comes up with their UVP statement and it sounds amazing, you know, everybody will chime in with, you know, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Like, I want to study with you. You sound like an amazing teacher. And it oh, just so much feels fun. good. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And you get the support from the group as well. Yes. And 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 so and it's great because it's very small. It's a very small group. And you know that everybody who's there is in the same boat that you are mm. and they're ready to learn. And so it's just a really healthy learning environment. And that's what I love about small group coaching.
0: Oh, this sounds so much fun. I'm going to put information on the uh, podcast page as well as in the podcast notes. So if you're listening to this and you go to the notes of the podcast, you will find a link to Sarah's wonderful course and all of Sarah's information. Now, I can't let you go until you (laughs) tell us warm up of the week. And now the warm up of the week. Yes. So the boa, okay. the boa is dead. But what have you been <laughs> doing? What have you been doing with your singers,
1: uh, in your studio? Okay, so I can thank you for this, Nikki, because oh, no. I have been using the pumpkin spice worksheet. Oh, those are those are fun, and I have been using it with my adults. <gasps> really? And my kids.
0: Oh, okay. Do tell. Do the adults okay. enjoy it?
1: They do because, you know, pumpkin spice is this like, it's either you love it or you hate it. So right? it it, <laughs> it starts this great conversation about whether or not they like pumpkin spice. <laughs> and then I use it as a, um, so I use it for sight singing. Okay. And uh, I use it as like a sofa okay oh. Okay. So we play with the words, which are fabulous, which go over like all of the the ingredients in pumpkin spice. But then I challenge them and I say, OK, can you sulfa that? Oh, my gosh. And can they? Most of them can. I'm what so God. proud of my students. They've been working so hard. Full
0: disclosure, I'm sitting here going, OK, what? Mm, that would be dough. And I wrote it's... the thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It's I really I, uh, we were talking earlier and I was the, one of the challenges that I found with the pumpkin spice. So if anybody's listening, pumpkin spice song was the freebie Friday just a few weeks ago. It is a harmony part singing exercises. There's so many ways to engage with it. But one of the things I noticed for the teacher, me, so I'm singing one of the parts and I'm trying to play the other part for my student while still focusing on listening to what they're doing and, also was trying to tap the rhythm and it it was embarrassing. It didn't end well. For me, my student was (laughs) fine, but I was not. So there's lots of challenges there.
1: Uh, Nikki, I'm so glad that you had shared that with me earlier because it made me feel so much better about myself because I was trying to do exactly what you were talking about. And I felt like my brain was being pulled in so many directions and I was like, oh my gosh, like,
0: this is hard. It was hard. And, you know, it's a good reminder. This is this is what I tried to put the positive spin on. When we're introducing part singing for singers, and it doesn't matter if they're kids or adults, that's exactly what's happening. They're trying to sing something, but somebody is singing something different. And they're, it's about sharing the focus, right? And not going always over to the person doing something else. It's such a challenging exercise and it's easy for us to forget especially if we've been singing for years. But playing and singing and tapping oh my goodness, so challenging.
1: It, it makes you have mad respect for people who play and sing and oh, like have right? that little tambourine thing on their foot, you know. Oh,
0: right? Yes, that uh, even just singing and and, and tapping like a, a like a, a rhythm underneath it is something that requires oodles of practice for me. <laughs> like oodles and oodles of practice. I'm good. If you want me to tap that rhythm, I'm good. If you want me to sing that part, I'm really good. But putting the two of them together, mm, hit and miss. <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing that. I'm glad. I'm so happy to hear that your students are having fun with that. And I'm totally stealing the solfege of the melody. I honestly, I did not even think of that. So, so in a way, you have oh, shamed me. <laughs> oh,
1: that is so, It was so much fun to like put them on the spot and say like, "Hey, can you do this?" And like, so it was it was cool to see where they were. And I will I will say that um, some of my high schoolers were like like the best at it. And the adults had to think a little bit more about it. So it pointed out something to me that I need to be doing some more uh, sofa sight reading in my studio. I love it.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing the fun in your studio. And this conversation has been so good. And I know that there's so many listeners that have a lot of a lot of takeaways. Um, and uh, as always, I will have you back because this is there's so many wonderful topics that I know you have so much experience on. So thank you so much. So for those of you who would like to reach out to Sarah and learn more about her studio and her offerings, please check out the podcast page. Sarah, I am wishing you uh, just an amazing day, and thank you so much for sharing your
1: passion and your journey as well with your teaching studio, Nikki. Thank you for for having this beautiful platform where we can make these connections and and share our passions and about teaching and being business owners. It's just it's fabulous to be here and I always look forward to those Thursday nights and Fridays when those uh when those new episodes drop because oh. you bring some great people on. <laughs> well, thank you. You are one of those great people. Thank you so
0: much. A very special thank you to Sarah for that wonderful interview. I love talking about those things. Now, Sarah has kindly given me a discount code for podcast listeners. Now she only has a few spots left in her branding boot camp. But if you are ready to make uh, a commitment and you're looking for help to build your business, there's no better person to work with. And if you use the discount code thanksfullvoice, all one word, I love that, Thanks, full Voice, you can get $100 off of Sarah's branding boot camp course. The links are in the show notes and on our podcast page. Now, next week, what an exciting podcast. It's podcast 100, and it is also Freebie Friday. And this month, we are sharing one of the fun seasonal singing activities from our new release Oh, Christmas tree. And I have to say, teachers are starting to dive into this fun activity book. We've gotten some great feedback already. And I wanted to let everybody know that for this project, we had the pleasure of partnering with Donna Rodenizer. And she has uh, shared some of her original holiday music, which Full disclosure, my students have been singing out of this book for a month and they love her music. And she's also done two fantastic choral arrangements as well. If you haven't checked out Oh Christmas Tree, you can find it on our website and on Amazon. And next week, we're going to be diving into one of the activities from that book. As always, I am wishing everyone... Inspire teaching and happy singing. May my canoe music. Canoe music.ca